Thank you so much, Danielle. Appreciate that. Thank you, Sydney. He came to to rescue us from ourselves. He came because of sin, because we needed rescuing. He came to save us uh, from our sin. He came to save us from the results of our sin. If you could turn with me to Mark chapter 10. This morning, Mark chapter 10, we're going to be looking at the final section. We did our scripture reading from this morning, Mark 10, verses 46 through 52. Turn there with me. Very thankful for the opportunity to share the word this morning. We'll look at our text here in a moment. We'll reread it. A few years ago, I was uh, helping some harvest friends move when my phone rang, and it was a little bit of an odd call. My sister and my brother-in-law were here in town visiting at the time, and uh, it was my brother-in-law who called, which in and of itself was a little bit odd. I don't know if he had ever called me before. We have a good relationship, but he's a nice guy, but I just don't know that he had ever called me. And He called me, and um, I said I was helping some people move. I answered and he said, all he said was, Asher, our son, or he's five now, he said, Asher fell. Um, he's bleeding a lot. You need to come home. Uh, the ambulance is on the way. And that's all he said. And, um, of course, I immediately dropped everything and, and you know, got in the car and, and went home. But uh, as I drove, I prayed. <laughs> I prayed a lot. I, I, I cried. I didn't know. I didn't know, and, and I'll just go ahead and say, just so you're not, we all have a lot as already, and, and it was fine. I mean, he, he, they did end up needing to give him stitches and everything, but, but all the information I had to go, I didn't know if he was conscious. I didn't know what was going on. And for that 15-minute drive home, I begged God for mercy. And... I prayed with a fervor that I probably had never prayed with before. And though I can say now that I have prayed with that fervor since, as I'm sure most of us have this week, there was nothing I could do in that moment. I was desperate. I was desperate for God to work on on my behalf. And I'm sure most of you have had an experience, and again, most of us have had this experience this very week, where there's nothing you can do, but you are begging God, pleading earnestly for the Lord to hear and answer your prayer. And it's very, in this very situation that we find the man in our text this morning, blind Bartimaeus, He was blind. He was desperate. He was desperate not only because he was a beggar, but he was a blind beggar. And at this time in history, there was very little, if anything, that a blind man could do other than beg. He finds himself in a desperate situation. He is desperate for the Lord's mercy. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time and help us as we look together at his word this morning. Our Father, we, we do pray that you would meet with us now. I pray that our hearts would be in tune with your word. 
I pray that you would focus our hearts and focus my heart, my mind on what you would have for us here this morning. God, I pray I would say nothing that your word doesn't say. And God, I pray that you would please minister to hearts this morning where they are and what you know our hearts need. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In these first few verses, we're going to see that blind men need mercy. And I, I mean this in about every possible way that you can take it. Blind men need mercy. They need, they need mercy. They, they need help. Look at verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. Jesus, on his final journey to Jerusalem here now, he is, he is, he is about 18 miles from Jerusalem. He's been making his way down from the northern region of Galilee. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's, he's in Jericho. He's almost to Jerusalem. He's on the treacherous road between Jericho and Jerusalem that uh, is very well known, still to this day is well known. As he went out of Jericho, verse 46, with his disciples in a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And we have to think that this is a man that sat by this road begging every single day. This is what he did. He got up every morning. He got up from whatever means of living that he had, and he made his way to the roadside. This would have been a good time of year for him to be there because travelers were on their way to Jerusalem, and he sat by the road begging, verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth that was coming. He began crying and saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then they warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Physically blind men need mercy and help. I'm sure many of you have known people who are physically blind, and, and though today there are many more means than this man would have had of getting around and things, they, they, they are in some degree in need of help and assistance. But spiritually blind men need mercy as well. And here in the case of blind Bartimaeus, he was both physically and spiritually blind. Though at some point in our narrative here this morning, as we read a moment ago, at some point he does go from being spiritually blind to being spiritually alive and seeing, right? Um, at some point in our narrative, maybe be- shortly before, he did believe in Christ and his spiritual eyes were open. But by, blind Bartimaeus is a helpless beggar. This great throng is surrounding Jesus, and not just because it was Jesus, okay? We know that Jesus, everywhere that he went, he would have had great throngs of people surrounding him all the time. But, but this was not just those throngs of people. These were people who were on their way to Jerusalem, multitudes heading towards Jerusalem because this was the week before Passover. This would have been the situation the psalmist describes likely in Psalm 42, verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go, he's lamenting, saying, I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. I used to go and, and, and do this. We, we would do this together. And that is where these people are heading. They're heading to the house of God the week before Passover. But consider, consider Bartimaeus, completely helpless. Again, especially at this point in history, his only means of survival is begging for food. He can't work. He can scarcely get around. He is completely dependent upon the generosity of the people around him. But notice what he is begging for. What is he begging for? Look at verse 47. He's begging for mercy. He says, Jesus, and he hears 
that it's Jesus. And he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's crying out for mercy. I began to think about this in other places in Scripture where people call out for mercy. We have a a plethora of references in Scripture. I mean, if you open the book of Psalms, I mean, many of us have felt this this week, begging God, crying out, and, and, and just open the book of Psalms. Everywhere you look in the book of, point and shoot anywhere in the book of Psalms, you will find people writing and begging God for mercy, begging God to work. People who are in very, very difficult circumstances, begging the Lord. Look at Psalm 4, verse 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Then Psalm 6, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. How, How many of us have felt that? Not just this week, but all the time. Lord, I am weak. I I I'm frail. I fail. Have mercy on me. I need you, Lord. This, we, 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 we often, I think, I, I'm afraid. We're afraid to be weak. We're afraid to, to, to be so aware of our need for God. But isn't that where the psalmist continually find themselves? I mean, what better place to be is better than no, thinking that you have it all together. But knowing that you need God, crying out, Lord, have mercy on me, God, I need you. We find this theme throughout Scripture. If you find yourself desperate for the Lord, then you are in good company. Notice that blind Bartimaeus, he was not dissuaded by the people around him. He was not discouraged by the people around him. What what were they doing? He's crying out. He says, Lord, he hears that it's Jesus coming, and and there's probably a a stir. People are are swarming, and and, and he hears that they're saying, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And what does he do? He says, Jesus, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what do the people do? Hey, stop, stop. Quiet. He he doesn't need you, okay? The people around him, they see him as, as what? As like a nuisance. He's, 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 He's a problem, He's a pest. But he doesn't stop. He persists. He says, son of David, again, have mercy on me. He begs the Lord for mercy. Even when the people told him to stop. You know, isn't isn't blindness such an appropriate description of of? many of the people who surround us in the world today, doesn't it so often seem that the only possible explanation, the only real, is that they're, they're just blind. They just can't see. They, 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 they can't see. They don't know. It's so clear to us. We have the Word of God. We have Scripture. We have the divine revelation that, that gives us all the answers. It tells us what we're supposed to do and what, why the world is the way it is. But, but they don't. They're blind. But yet, how often do we respond the same way that the multitudes responded to blind Bartimaeus? Hey, sit down. Get out of the way. We, you're, 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 in, you're, you're in my way. Consider it a, a, a nuisance. But what, how ought we to respond to blind people? With mercy. We ought to respond with grace and kindness and mercy 
to those that are blind. And he wasn't discouraged. Blind men need mercy. And, and, and if Bartimaeus' story stopped there, then that really wouldn't be very helpful for us, would it? It wouldn't offer us a whole lot of hope. But the good news is that, that Jesus offers mercy to blind men. Jesus offered mercy to blind men then, and he offers mercy to blind men today. He is still in the business of saving people. He is still in the business of offering mercy. And we're surrounded by blind people. There might be blind people here today. Jesus is calling. He is offering that mercy to you today. He offers mercy by calling blind men to himself. Look at verse 49. So Jesus stood still. And you, if you were in Sunday school this morning, you, you, you noted this, hopefully, that, that the gospel writers all include, that, that, that include this story, all include this detail, that Jesus stopped. Amen. Think about that. Jesus, he, he stopped. He stood still. He didn't say, all right, come on, yeah, let's take care of this. No, he stopped. I mean, the multitudes, people, he's got an 18-mile journey still to get to Jerusalem. He's got throngs of people all around him. He's had a demanding, uh, demanding ministry for, for the last year or so. He's been extremely busy, people constantly surrounding him, and he stops. He stops, and he, and he waits, and he says, call. Bring him over. Jesus stops. He stood still. He commanded him to be called then they changed their tune. And the people around him, they called to the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. He's calling you, blind Bartimaeus. He actually wants you. We told you to be quiet, but you actually, you know what? He's saying, he's stopping and he's waiting for you right over here. And throwing aside his garment, verse 50, he rose and he came to Jesus. All the people around us, all, all, all the people around Bartimaeus were telling him, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Jesus stops. Jesus has time. Jesus doesn't see the blind man as a nuisance. He doesn't see him as a distraction. He doesn't see the blind man as an inconvenience. He doesn't just stop. He calls Bartimaeus to himself. And this is exactly why Jesus came. Mark 2, 17. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's why he came. He came to call sinners to, rep to repentance. Jesus calls blind men to himself. He is still calling blind men to himself today, but blind men must do something. They've got to trust that vision-giving Savior. And Jesus, what does Jesus say to him in verse 51? Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, isn't that interesting? I mean, think about that for a second. Why would Jesus ask the blind man, who is obviously blind, and Jesus knows he's blind, Jesus knows all things. He says to the blind man, what do you want for me to do to you? Why would he ask that? It's, at first glance, it seems like an almost silly question. We, we know what he wants. We know what he needs. He's blind. It's possible that Jesus was asking to, to be a little bit more specific. What, in what way do you need mercy? 
Specific requests get specific answers. But I think it's even more likely that Jesus is giving blind Bartimaeus the opportunity here to demonstrate his faith. He's saying, what is it that you want? I, I want to hear it. I want, I, want, I want to know that you believe that I can do this. I want to see your faith. And what, is, what does Bartimaeus say? He says, Rabboni, or my great one, or teacher, it's a, it's a stronger word for teacher, that I may receive my sight. He says, I want to be healed. He, he, he says, Lord, heal me, and he knows that Jesus can do it. Shows that he really believed that Jesus could heal him, and that's exactly what Jesus does. Look at verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. What does he do as soon as he receives his sight? Look at the, uh, the cross-reference, the parallel passage in Luke chapter 18. Immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. They praised the Lord. He, he had answered his request. He had healed him. Immediately he received his sight. And, and then what does he do? He follows We know this guy's name, which is interesting. And it may indicate that this was a man, Mark got most of his information from Peter, firsthand witnessed. And, and it may indicate that this man was known in the early church to a man like Peter, that we have his name, that he was known because, and I can't say this for sure, but he was known because he did, in fact, become a part of the early church, and he, didn't, he was, in fact, an, a, a, a person that was influential even in the early church. We don't know that for sure, but, but it is interesting that we have his name. He's not just a blind man. And, and it's interesting that he goes and he follows. He doesn't just say, okay, cool, thanks. He doesn't just turn around like nine of the ten lepers and go their way and not even turn back and thank Jesus. No, he doesn't just thank Jesus. He goes with him. He, he follows him. He demonstrates his belief. Seeing men follow Jesus. It's interesting, the word, I think Mark is very, certainly is intentional about the word that he uses here. In our New King James, it's translated, made you well, but it's, it's just the word saved. Your faith has, has saved you. And I think Mark is intentionally using that word as a word that could be taken either as spiritually or physically. And in reality, in this situation, it's obviously both. That this man was not only healed physically, but he was healed spiritually. He followed, he believed, he trusted Christ. So what are we supposed to do with this? And as I often do, when we have a narrative like this, you know, we, we, we've got to say, okay, what, how am I going to, what, how is this going to help me? Okay, what am I going to do with this this week? Just a few points of application. A couple questions really to consider as we wrap this all up. First of all, number one, are you persistent? And this is, I think, a minor point. I don't think this is the point of the narrative necessarily, but it's something to consider. Bartimaeus did not give up despite opposition. He was persistent despite difficulty. And for us, that's persistence in prayer, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says what? Pray without ceasing, without stopping. 
And man, haven't we done that? Pray without ceasing. I've heard that explained as having a constant mentality, a constant mindset of prayer. Can't pray 24-7. But, but I think, and I think that's very valid, but I, but I think it also could be that, that you just don't stop asking. Even when your prayer isn't answered right away, that, that yes, you, you maintain that, that spirit of prayer, but I think he, Paul, when he says this, he also might just mean, hey, don't give up. Don't stop. Keep praying. And can I just admonish you and, and encourage you, church, to keep praying, to be persistent. Don't stop praying just because you don't get the answer right away. Con- consider this man who, he didn't stop. He, he could have just said, okay, fine, I'll sit, you know, he didn't. He went right back. Are you persistent? Number two, are you merciful? There's a lot of ways that we can apply this. Uh, we've got to be merciful to all people. Okay? But do we show, I mean, specifically, are we showing mercy to blind men? Spiritually blind people. The spiritually blind people who are all around. How do you think about the unsaved? Is it with a heart of compassion for, their, for, for, for the blindness? Or is it a heart of disdain? Are, are we merciful to those who are most in need of mercy? Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. What does it look like to show mercy to a blind man? It looks like showing him the way, the way to life, the, the way to being able to see, leading him to the cross, following the Great Commission, giving the gospel to the lost and dying. That, that's what it looks like to show mercy to, to blind people. But show mercy to, to, to your fellow man, to believers and unbelievers alike. I mean, we, we find, I'm, asking, I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Turn back a few pages in your Bible. Matthew chapter 18. We, we find a, a particularly sad account of a man who failed to show mercy. Matthew 18, verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, but he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, much, much, much less, okay, Nothing compared to what this man had owed. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have paid just as he had just done. And he begs him and he says, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not. But went out and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. The, master, the same master who had just forgiven this massive debt to the same man. 
They told him, then his master, verse 32, after he had called him and said to him, you, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as, you ha- just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers till, until he should pay all that was due him. And I don't have to explain this. If you're a believer here this morning, you know the debt that you have been forgiven. You know the penalty that you didn't have to pay. The mercy that you have received and having, had, having been given such mercy, are we still without mercy? How can we who have received such mercy not show mercy to those around us? The last question for you this morning are you still blind? You know, it's interesting. This is not the first time that Mark has given an account of a blind man being healed. Back in chapter 8, Mark gives a similar account. But in between Mark chapter 8 and this, the account of the blind man in Mark 8 and the account of the blind man in Mark 10, Jesus has three times predicted his passion. Three times he has told the disciples that he would suffer and die. What was about to take place as, when, as he goes into Jerusalem, the very next story in your Bible, the very next account in chapter 11 is the triumphal entry. These things that were about to take place, Jesus three times, in between these two stories of blind men being healed, Jesus three times gives the, the prediction that he would suffer and he would die. And the disciples, as we have discussed in previous messages, all all did not understand. All three times they, they responded in different ways, but they, a response from the disciples that, that definitely indicated they didn't understand. They were still what? They were still blind. They were still blind. And I can't say this with certainty, but Mark does seem to be, this is a major section of the book. This is a major transition. This, this is the final section before the Passion Week. And Mark does seem to be bookending intentionally these two accounts, with these two accounts of these men who were both blind and both received sight. I can't help but think he does so intentionally to emphasize the spiritual blindness that these disciples and the spiritual blindness that so many that were alive at this time were still experiencing. And spiritual blindness, folks, is far more serious than physical blindness. Blind Bartimaeus cried out, have mercy on me. And this is the cry that all people from all time must at some point cry in order to be saved from sin. Have mercy on me. I can't do it on my own. I need something outside of myself to save me from my sin. Every one of us is either a blind man who needs mercy or a seeing man who has been given mercy. Who was once blind. So I wonder if you've ever received your sight. I wonder if you have ever yourself personally trusted Christ for salvation. I wonder if you've ever been desperate for mercy. It's been said that the kingdom of heaven is not for the well-meaning, but for the desperate. Have you been truly desperate? Desperate for God's grace, desperate for his mercy, desperate for something outside of yourself 
There's a lot of value today put on a self-made individual, the type of person who doesn't need anything or anyone outside of themselves to exist. But the reality is that whether you want to acknowledge it or not here today, folks, every single one of us need something outside of ourselves. We can't do it on our own. And what we need is the mercy and grace of God. We have a problem. That problem is sin. That sin separates us from God, prevents us from enjoying eternal life with Him forever. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Perhaps you've never been the recipient of God's greatest mercy, His mercy in sending his son. What a great day today would be for you to receive that mercy. Personally, receive that mercy by trusting Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the mercy that you have given us in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us to be merciful people. I pray that we would show mercy to the lost and dying world that is all around us. Lord, all of us at some point were in desperate need of your mercy and your grace. We are desperate for you, God. I pray that you would work in hearts this morning in, in, in the ways that it is most needed in each heart. And we thank you for this time. I'm going to ask Sydney to play just through one verse. Ask you to pray quietly in your seat before we sing together. Eric's going to come and lead us in a song called Mercies Anew, number 94. Go ahead and turn there in your songbook, number 94. His mercies, Lamentations chapter 3 says that his mercies are new every morning.